Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Well, Kane, Roberta Louise Gear, Bobby, as she is known, has a special place in the history of women's sport as a trailblazer, as a path setter for generations who would follow. Bobby was the first woman to compete in the famed Boston Marathon when women unthinkably were banned, deemed not physiologically capable of running marathon distances. In 1966, she said, stuff it, I'm running anyway, and she changed history forever. Bobby Gibb, great pleasure to have you on, and welcome to SEN. Oh, this is a fantastic pleasure. I'm so happy to meet you. We're honoured to have you on. I have to say, I'm struck by the story. Kane's a bit more familiar with it than I, and I'm sure we're all going to learn a lot this morning. What motivated you to run the Boston Marathon in 1966 when everyone told you, when the world told you that you couldn't do it? Well, I saw the Boston Marathon for the first time in 1964, and I fell in love with it. And uh, and to me, the marathon was something fundamental about human beings, you know, running long distances. And I I had always loved to run, and I but I wasn't involved in competitive sports except I loved to ride horses and stuff like that. And I would run, I would run, I would go up in the woods and run with the neighborhood dogs and run and run and run. I just loved running. I loved nature. And when I saw the marathon, I thought, wow, here are people who feel the same way I do about the earth and about being alive on the earth and being a human being running like this. This is incredible. And I wanted to be part of it. I just wanted to be part of it. I want to run with them to kind of express this joy of life. You, you trained for two you years for it as well, Bobby. So um, the, the motivation to do it, as I said, you, you applied and you were told, no, you're not welcome here at, at, at the marathon in 1966. You caught a bus for a few, for a few days to even get to the start line. Take us through what was going through your mind at this stage because you were told you, you can't be here, you can't be doing this. What, what was in your heart to defy, defy all of that? I trained for two years to run the Boston Marathon. I'd heard, I'd heard that anyone in the world was welcome to join the Boston Marathon. And, and, I, and, and the Boston Marathon was the only marathon I, I knew about. I guess it's the oldest annual major city marathon and at least in the United States. And, and I had heard that it was open to any person in the world. And so I never thought man, woman, so forth. But so I trained, I started training. I had no coach, no idea how to train. I just started running longer and longer distances. And in the summer of 1964, I love nature. I just love being in nature. I love running in nature. and so. And I uh, I had a VW van and I had a Malamute 
It was a beautiful sled dog, a puppy. She was kind of about six months old. And um, I took her with me and we, we ran all the way across the country. And each day I'd run in a different spot across the country. And then at night I'd sleep out under the stars. And I was just in love with life. I was in love with the earth. I was in love with, uh, with the universe really. And, and I wanted to see the wilderness. I wanted to feel what the earth was like before there were um, no telephone poles and highways and all this stuff. So I, I was running um, into the woods, into the wilderness, up into the mountains. And, uh, and that's the way I trained for the marathon. And then in, in the summer of 1965, I ran 65 miles of a, a, a equestrian uh, event in, in Woodstock, Vermont, up in the Green Mountains. And uh, I figured, well, I'm ready to run the Boston Marathon now. This is two years of training. And, uh, and I wrote for my application and I got a letter back that women were not physiologically able to run marathon distances. So they couldn't take the medical liability. And sorry, no women allowed. And so at that point, I could have just said, oh, gee, too bad. Um, but I, I wasn't going to do that because I grew up in the 50s and 60s. And at that time, it, there were very little opportunities for women here. And you couldn't, you very, very rarely could a woman go to medical school or law school or develop her abilities. She, she had to fit into this set preconceived notion and stereotype of being a housewife. And you know, doing the shopping and cleaning and taking care of the kids and everything, which is wonderful. I mean, I love kids. I, I love the best thing I ever did was a, ha, have a family. So, um, but, but it was very limiting for women. And so here it was again, you can't do this because you're a woman. In other words, you belong to a certain class of people and we have a stereotype about that class of people and we think they can't run this kind of distance. And I, I said, well, more false beliefs. False beliefs do so much damage in the world. The world, And so I said, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to open up things. And what I, my plan was, if I can show them, if I can prove I can run the marathon, then they'll open it up to women. They just don't know. That's all. They just don't know. Mm. And so I, so I did. I, I ran, I ran the marathon. I came back in, in, I was living in California at that point. I took a bus across the country. 3,000 miles later, I got off the bus, and the next day, I ran the marathon. And my mom, all these years, she'd been on my case, like, how are you going to find a husband running in the woods with the neighborhood dogs and all this stuff? You know, you, you, you be realistic. I mean, if you're a woman, you don't you really don't have a, a way of earning an income. You can't get a mortgage. You can't get a credit card. You can't, you know, as a woman, you're really you're trapped in this little box. Mm. And I said, I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to go go into the wilds of Canada and live with my dogs or my horses or something. I can't live like this, Mom. And so I persuaded her. I said, Mom, I can't. This is going to help to set women free, I said. And she and so I got back to Boston. My parents thought I'd gone around the bend. My dad thought I was delusional. He was really worried that I was going to try to run the marathon and hurt myself or, or possibly die. And, 
<laughs> my mother, I said, Mom, you gotta you gotta drive me to the start and occupant. And I'm gonna it's gonna help to set women free. You're not happy. And so she she drove me to the start. And uh, and along the way I said, gee, mom, it's so nice to have you on my side uh, for a change. And she said, it's something I should have done a long time ago. Wow. And, and then she said, I thought I had to make you conform for your own good, for your own good, so you could survive in this world and be realistic. For your own good, I was doing it um, for, for that reason. And, and, uh, and uh, then she said, thank God I failed. And then, you know, so we, you know, it's like we, we hugged each other for the first time in years. And, and she dropped me off in Hopkinton and I ran around looking for, I said, how am I going to get into this thing? I was, I had my brother's Bermuda shorts on in a, a, a black bank, um, bathing suit uh, and, and then under, um, uh, under uh, my uh, shirt. And then, uh, so I ran around looking, looking like, how am I going to get into this? Because if they see me, they're going to stop me. And it's very important that I run because I was making a social statement. I wanted to make a social statement. I wanted to prove that women could do this because I figured if I can prove that a woman can do this that's thought impossible, totally impossible for a woman to run like this. And then it's going to throw into doubt all the other misconceptions and prejudices that have been built up about women over the centuries. And, and they're going to start wondering, gee, maybe, maybe, maybe a woman could be a doctor, maybe a woman could be a lawyer, maybe she could be a senator, you know, maybe she could even be president someday. And um, and so I I thought that what I was doing had broader implications, it, but also the main thing was the sports. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there with those guys, and I didn't know how people were going to react. Sometimes people can be hostile when you do something way far out of the social norm. I mean, running for a woman was way far out of the social norm. It was thought improper for a woman to run in public, and so so I didn't know how people were going to react and the other runners could have shouldered me out uh, but instead the you know the starting gun went off I waited for a while until you know uh, I didn't want to be inter interfere with the front runners so I jumped into the middle of the pack and at first the guys didn't realize that I was a woman because I had a blue hooded sweatshirt on and my brother's Bermuda shorts and new boys running shoes and, but very quickly, very quickly, within, I would say, a few minutes, the guys behind me were going, is that a girl? Is that a girl? And <laughs> studying my anatomy from the rear, they, I have to give them credit. They were very quick. They figured out I was a woman. I smiled and I said, this is going to keep this upbeat because I don't want to be a threat. I'm not, no, I just want to run with them. And, and I laughed and they go, oh, it is a girl. Wow, fantastic. I wish my girlfriend would run. I wish my wife would run. These guys were really supportive. It was so neat. And so then I said, I'm really getting hot in this sweatshirt, but if I take it off, they'll see I'm a woman and they'll throw me out. And they said, these guys said, we won't let them throw you out. It's a free road. Yeah. So so I did. I took off the, the hooded sweatshirt, threw it in God knows where, in the bushes, somewhere out there. And... And then everyone could see I was a woman, and I didn't know how the 
crowd's going to react. And then pretty soon, the women started clear, chap, clapping and cheering, and the men were going, out of go, girly. And even the police I was, that I'd been so afraid were going to arrest me, they were saying, out of go, slow down, hey, honey, you know, let them catch you, and this sort of thing. And so I ran. Um, so I, I ran. I was keeping up with a man. It was a, pretty much a sub-three hour uh, pace for most oh. of the marathon. I'm running. I go by... Wellesley College is about halfway mark, and all the women are out there screaming and yelling and cheering. And one woman's going, Ave Maria, Ave Maria. It's like at that moment, we knew there was no going back. Like things are never going to be the same again after this. And so I ran on into Boston. And then my new boys' running shoes started to cause me blisters, and the blisters were breaking through, and they were now on raw raw flesh in and it, they were hurting and my pace dropped off for the last few miles and there in my my sub three hour marathon dropped off too and and I was just tiptoeing along at one point I actually took off my shoes and I was running barefoot but that didn't work either because my <laughs> bottoms of my feet were hurting so I did I tiptoed in and I uh, and I finished in about a, three hours in 21 minutes and 40 seconds, I think they clocked me at. How did it change yeah. your life, Bobby? Like When you got to the finish line, when did you first notice that you had achieved something extraordinary? Mm. Well, the press, the press came all, the press was there and they were all taking photographs. And and then when I, when I got to the finish, I went, um, I was taking up, um, the governor of Massachusetts came down and shook my hand and said, congratulations, this is a fantastic feat that you've just performed. You know, come see me at the State House sometime. And, and so, and then the next day, here, I've got, I still have this. My mother saved this. This is what went out. Uh, I don't, you probably can't see oh, it. Oh, wow. That's so, so you're holding up right now an old, uh, it looks like a front page newspaper it's story. front page headlines. Yeah, hub. Hub, right. Hub is the hub of the universe. They, that's what they call Boston in those days. Hub bride, first gal to run marathon. Is gal. a picture of me. Gal. Yeah. <laughs> this wow. went out around the world. And my parents had friends in Malaysia who wrote to them and said, we heard about your daughter's amazing achievement. Congratulations. It was in the local newspapers in Malaysia. And the Japanese won that year. And it was in Japan, it was in Europe, it was all over. And it was like, wow, this was like a, 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 a revelation to people around the world. And it was, I think it was, it helped to trigger the women's movement. And it certainly helped to trigger the running movement, which is my other goal, um, because I got such pleasure and such health and such joy out of running. I thought, boy, if everybody could run, what a happy world this would be. Everybody would be so happy, so healthy, so much better off if people got out and ran and breathed the fresh air and exercised their body and so forth. So I thought, well, this is the way I want the world to change. I want women to have equal rights, and I want all people to be able to manifest their own talents and abilities, What, what no matter what group they belong. This is the horrible tragedy of prejudice you put people in these stereotypes and you know and and you and they 
and then they're not allowed. So how can you prove you can do something if you're not allowed to do it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, Bobby, it's a, just an incredible story. The bit I love, you know, and thank goodness she did that day in 66, you know, hide in the bushes, you disguise yourself and run out. And as we're getting off our uh, text machine here, thank goodness that your mother was unable to get you to conform because the world is a better <laughs> place for it. But you ran in the white leather nurse's shoes as well because, of course, there was no equipment, no no runners for women's running over that distance at that time. That's right. I was in nurse's shoes. It was my first job out of high school. I was a nurse's aide. And those shoes were great because they were sturdy leather and they had great soles. They didn't slip. <laughs> I could run in the woods, which is where I ran most of the time. And and uh, but but then I got boys running shoes just before the race because a friend of mine I'd met in San Diego. He said, "You can't run in those heavy shoes. They're way too heavy to run a race in. You got to get." And I said, "They don't make running shoes for women. He said, well, get boys' shoes." So I got the boys' shoes. They didn't fit right, and I didn't know you're supposed to break them in. And I had horrible blisters. And, but for those shoes, I would I would have been on a sub three hour marathon. But it 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 just but it you know it's just I didn't I had so little notion of what I was doing with no coach no nothing no fellow runners nothing I was alone and I mean I went across the country alone and and uh, slept out at night under the stars I was just in love with the earth I mean it's just amazing to me that the earth exists that the sun exists that the solar system exists that the whole universe exists it's like i'm going why why and i get to the wilderness and i look up in the in the at the stars at night i'm going wow more stars than i'd ever seen more stars than dark places it just blew my mind i said this is amazing this is incredibly amazing um that, i mean just to make one atom i mean this is incredible and there's trillions and trillions of these things and the more I learned about science, the more amazed I became. It was like a spiritual experience. It's like, wow, this is incredible. Why, you know, it just, it just always, always, always so vivid to me that we are living in a miracle. I mean, we're living in a miracle. And when people take, you know, take it for granted. And to me, I've always felt this sense of love around me. Like this is a amazing thing this is this coming from love it has to be coming from love it's not coming from fear or hate or anything it's coming from love and i i believe that love is a basic core of human existence and this is why i feel like the human race really has to raise their consciousness and get together and start loving each other and loving the earth and loving the universe and stop this stupid violence, this crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah. War is this, like it's like a disease. It's got to stop. Bobby, we got to figure out a way to stop it and love each other. Bobby, beautifully said, and it's a beautiful story. It's an incredible story on so many nice. levels. Uh, for, on behalf of Kane and I and and uh, and everyone here at SEN, it's been a great pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking Thank the time on the other side of the world to come on and recount it for us. Uh, we really appreciate it. You guys are great. You you guys are great. <laughs> Good on you, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby, give there. What a story.